You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 109. Thomas Miller back with you. Thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about a great topic today. And it was so relevant that I picked up the New York Times this weekend and saw an article, The Prozac Nation is Now the United States of Xanax. (laughs) I thought, oh my goodness sakes, and I had this podcast on my mind anyway, so I knew there was a perfect tie and correlation and there were just some summaries of this. You could look it up. You could searchable on Google if you want. But one lady in it was quoted early in the article as saying, if you're a human being living in 2017 and you're not anxious, there's something wrong with you. I'll tell you what, living up here in my little bubble in Aspen, Colorado, that was an eye opener for me to realize, wow, it's that extensive? Really? And then I guess I kind of teleport back to the days in Dallas. And yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I get it totally. Who is, um, uh, Chris Carr. Have you seen Chris Carr's material? She is, what is she in probably her forties and has a stage four, but it's a very slow growing cancer that she has treated naturally. And her website is all about how she does it, her diet, etc. But one of the things that she had to do when she was diagnosed was that she moved to upstate New York, and she says that they're at the end of this road that is out in the middle of nowhere, and she had to completely de-stress her life. And those of you who know the story have heard about Aspen. Aspen, I didn't find it. It found me. And the universe just blessed me with this low-stress amazing mountain existence and did it at this point where I had a health issue that needed to be de-stressed. So yeah, I completely get it. This article went on to talk about new podcasts that are being done on the topic of being stressed out, the medical conditions that come from overstress, how it's affecting college campuses, even starting with kids in elementary school who are under pressure to perform. And then there was this quote from a lady who lived in Manhattan. She said, I don't remember a time not being anxious, having suffered debilitating anxiety since the age of four. She is the creator, writer, and star of the anxiety-ridden girls and recalls how she missed 74 days of the 10th grade because she was afraid to leave her house. And this was around the time that the largest act of terrorism in the United States unfolded near her Tribeca loft where she grew up. Of course, that would be the attacks of 9-11. This article also references the impact of social media, the instantaneous push notifications, and technology in general. And I was thinking, 9-11 happened a long time ago now, but look at what's going on in the United Kingdom today. This is not just a U.S. problem. The two recent terrorist attacks and now an upheaval in government all around this Brexit issue, and I think even for Europe as a whole. I mean, these are uncertain times around the world, so many people around the world are experiencing this stress and anxiety. So, let me ask you a question. How do you escape it, or at least alleviate it without a pill? because a pill won't fix anything. So if there's one common theme that I've seen, and this is whether you're looking at Wayne Dyer, Fred Dodson, or anybody else, one common theme, and that is meditation. So 
let me ask you, do you meditate? I mean, do you really meditate? I'm going to introduce you to Giovanni Denstman, who lives with his wife in Australia. They are not native Australians. They moved there some years ago. But Giovanni's website is simply liveanddare.com, where he focuses on the practice of meditation. Now, this is going to blow your mind, but Giovanni meditates two hours every morning, and that after doing 30 minutes of yoga. So if you want to stretch your game in mindfulness and consciousness, this is going to take you there. So let's talk to Giovanni Denstman and learn more about how we can take our meditation game to a higher level. Well, Giovanni, welcome to Subconscious Mind Mastery. I know you have a podcast too, so I appreciate you coming over and being a guest on mine. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Tell us your story. I, I see from your website, which, by the way, for people to lock on to, liveanddare.com, spelled out, that you started this journey as a teenager some years ago. Uh, what motivated you to seek a spiritual path for your life? Ah, so I was about 14 years old, and uh, a couple of friends of mine, they were interested in the metaphysical things, and they talked about it with me, and initially I was skeptical about it, but then I felt, okay, I want to, it sounds really interesting if these things really exist, I want to, to read about it, and I'm a big reader, so I started reading like crazy everything I could find, and I was interested in exploring what else is there to life? What else is there that we don't see? And what's the true meaning of human life and the true power of our mind? What can we achieve as a human being? So all these questions were, were in my mind as I was um, studying uh, several topics from religion to spirituality to occult to everything I could find. And in this journey, I soon was uh, introduced to meditation which was uh, a practice that many said it's essential for anything you want in your spiritual life. I went to a, a workshop, a one-hour workshop by a group called Brahma Kumaris. And there I, w I had a one, one guided meditation of about five to ten minutes. And it was a very special feeling for me what I experienced in that guided meditation because I was a very restless child. I, I would say I had ADHD. Uh, even though at that time this was not kind of uh, very well known. And during that guided meditation session, I experienced a lot of stillness. I experienced a sense of relaxation and inner quiet peace that I had not experienced before in my life. So I was intrigued to try more and to continue practicing meditation every day. I made the decision that, that day. It was, I think it was March 2000, and I have kept practicing meditation daily since then. What was it about that just brief, short meditation that set the course for you as it did? Meditation is really, I, I guess, your theme, but man, that had an incredible impact. What took place there? Hmm. I, I think I, I experienced an altered state of consciousness, a state in which kind of everything was quiet. I forgot about the external world and it was just so different from everything else I had experienced. And at the same time, there was a, it was pleasant 
there was a sense of um, contentment in that state. So I wanted to explore more. How I wanted to enter into that state again and again. I see on your website that you begin your day, your daily routine, with, I believe it was 30 minutes of yoga, followed mm -hmm. by two hours of meditation? Yes. How do you meditate for two full hours? <laughs> well, I started meditating 20 minutes, as it's advised for most beginners. And slowly, I've increased. Um, as my interest increased, as my ability to sit quiet increased, I've increased over the last, what, 17 years. So it's not, it's not something that I jumped into two hours. Nowadays, um, I've been doing, I would say since about a year ago, it's very comfortable for me to sit for two hours. I really enjoy, and believe it or not, it, the time passes very fast. I was going to ask, is two hours a sweet spot for you? So did you determine that less than that was not enough to get what you wanted? And if you went beyond two hours, that was too much? Was it a sweet spot or a threshold for you? Mm, that's a good question. Actually, I would say that about two years ago, my, my meditation started going deeper. Like I, I started getting to a new level as compared to the previous years. And then that means that almost every time that I meditate, it's like very pleasant. And I don't want to, to end it, basically. I, I feel like I can, I can continue forever. But about two hours, my body starts complaining like, hey, you need to move. <laughs> so if I could, if I had the time, and uh, endurance, so to speak, to sit for three hours, I probably would. I'm going to ask you about time in just a minute, but what happens during that meditation? Are you blending several styles, or do you are you literally able to keep your mind, your conscious mind, silent for two hours? Well, this this first uh, talking about the technique. During the 17 years, I have experienced. I have tried different techniques. It's not the, the same technique that I started. The technique that I'm doing now, it's similar to chakra meditation, where you basically, I'm focusing all my attention into a spot in the body, which is the heart center. And I try to keep my attention there, not moving up and down, not being engaged with any thoughts, feelings, sensations, memories, or anything. In the, first, in the first minutes of meditation, it's just like really settling down. I'm still kind of fidgeting a little bit, finding the best position. The mind is slowly settling down in that area. But as, as the time passes, the mind is more and more held quiet, centered, not moving much. So even though there, are, there may be thoughts from, um, every once in a while, the thoughts are in the background just like there are background noises now as I'm speaking to you, but they're not distracting me. Um, once my meditation really settles, there is a thin layer of thought that comes every now and then, but it's in the background. My attention is mostly with the meditation object. You know, I think most people who have tried meditation and maybe it's worked for them, maybe it hasn't, is because, especially trying to think of sitting for 20 minutes even, the to-do list shows up. Uh, what you have to get done for the kids that day, bills that are coming due, and how you're going to get that, you know, all of that that just starts to run through your mind. How do you turn that off? Hmm. So there, there's a couple of things there. One is a very practical um, exercise, which is called the brain dump. 
So if you just um, sit down with a piece of paper or with your note, whatever, in your computer, whatever it is, and you just, for five minutes, you write down as bullet points everything that is coming through your mind. The things you need to do, the things you're worried about, the things you forgot to say. Just write everything down on paper. After you do this for about five minutes, you will see that your mind is is uh, empty of most of this content. Because now it feels like, okay, those things are, are taking note. I, I took note of those things, so they will be taken care of. I don't need to keep them in my mind. So that's just like a very practical thing that you may find helpful. Many people find it helpful to, to just do this brain dump every once in a while, especially when the mind is really busy. And the other thing is, Meditation is, is really, it's an exercise. So you think about it like, uh, just like doing an exercise in the gym. You know, the more you do it, the more you exercise the muscle of attention, the easier it becomes for you to, to control your attention. So the idea that you have to remove the thoughts from your mind, that you have to clear your mind, that is a, a very poor way of describing the technique of meditation. Because if you try to do that, you will fail you will feel frustrated. The more you try to remove thoughts from your mind, the, like, the more likely they are to come back. So the actual way of um, achieving a deeper state in meditation, of clearing the mind, is don't worry about the thoughts at all. Don't worry about the distractions. Let them be there. But you keep your focus as much as possible on the object of your meditation. It's almost like you are crossing a very busy marketplace, right? There are a thousand objects for you to look at, for you to buy. And there are people trying to stop you along the way, trying to sell you something. But if you have one goal, like, no, I just need to cross this marketplace because there's something, I need to be there in, in one minute. You just kind of walk straight and you don't get distracted. Um, likewise, in your meditation, you just say like, hey, my, my goal now is to keep my attention with the breathing or with my mantra, whatever it is. And there's going to be all these distractions out there. I'm not worrying about them. Let them be there. I'm just going to keep with this. So that attitude is more uh, efficient when meditating. Do you ever get inspiring ideas while you're meditating? And with that, would you capture them on that same piece of paper? Do you keep a journal or a piece of paper beside you in case something comes through? You see, that's a, that's a kind of recurring question. It's, uh, it's surprising for me. But uh, yes, indeed it happens. Um, especially when I am when I need to to figure something out, often an idea comes in the middle of meditation. Different people do different things with this. Like some people, they just pause the meditation, take note of that, and then continue. Well, what I find works well for me now is the moment the idea comes in my mind, I just kind of say to myself, "When I finish meditation, I'll I'll think about this," and then I, I let that idea go. And I find that when I finish meditation sometimes immediately, sometimes a little bit after, uh, that idea is there on top of my mind for me to pick it up. It's kind of like a programming yourself, saying like, hey, this is precious, don't forget this, but not now. Here was a question that as I was looking over your website, just kind of an obvious question. I'll bet you get this one a lot too. You mentioned that you start your day with this, so you're really about three hours into your day between the yoga and the meditating and I'm sure whatever else you do. Mm -hmm. Just to do those things. Three hours. Now, most people, most normal people, Giovanni, <laughs> most people have to get up, chase kids around, go to work, come home, chase kids around, go to bed. Mm -hmm. 
where do you, how have you structured your life that you have three hours in the morning to just be with meditating, to get yourself aligned? How do you do that? Hmm. There are many ways to address this question. First is that there are obvious lifestyle differences, right? So I am married, but I don't have kids. Okay, so I think if I had kids, it would be very hard to sit for two hours uninterrupted unless I have some special arrangement with my wife that I wake up early in the middle of the night or whatever and she takes care of the kids while I'm meditating. But yeah, it would be much harder. The second thing is I chose to live very close to, my, to the place where I work. So I wake up 5.30 in the morning. I do my, my miracle morning, so to speak, until about 8.30. I get dressed and I walk to work. Right? So I can be there at night. That's a lifestyle choice that I made. It's, and the other thing is uh, people don't need to, to meditate for that long. I would encourage everyone to see what fits their schedule. And if your listeners are beginners with meditation or they're just going to start, uh, start with five minutes but just make sure that you never skip a day. Have a zero, never zero attitude, which means you don't allow yourself to go to sleep without doing at least five minutes of meditation. Then once you build the habit, once the habit is solid, then little by little you can increase your practice, maybe one minute per week, so that your lifestyle kind of uh, accommodates that practice. And the moment you start seeing the benefits, the moment you start really experiencing and seeing what it does for you, you will want to diminish other activities to be able to meditate more. Okay, I like what you said there. Five minutes, don't go to bed without five-minute commitment that you're going to do mm. some meditating every day. Because if we could do a show of hands, <laughs> if everybody <laughs> would be honest, I think all of us have started and stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped, right? We pick it up when we need it or when it's convenient, but we don't have the commitment to it that you do. Your, your commitment is incredible. Mm. Well, I'm also a, a meditation teacher, right? So I have to, I have to set the example. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it's one, let's say that you like to play tennis. It's one thing that you, you play tennis as a hobby and then you go and play once or twice a week, right? But if you are a tennis teacher, you have to practice every day, several hours a day. You have on your website, very easy to find, very well laid out website. You have types of meditation, an overview of 23 meditation techniques. Mm -hmm. Wow, I had no idea there were 23. That was quite enlightening. What do you get from different types of meditation? I, I would say that there, is a, there are some common elements in all of these types of meditation. And in the benefits that you get from these different types of meditation. But there is also some, the, in a way, the experience will also be unique depending on the type of meditation that you do. So in general, I can say that there are three main types. Okay, the first one is concentration meditation. That's the most common one. That's the most traditional one. The idea is that you focus your attention again and again on the same object. Okay, this object can be your breathing it can be a visualization, it can be a mantra, it can be a chakra, it can be anything. Right? The idea is that you are st stabilizing your attention on the object of meditation. That's the concentration type. The second type of meditation is the mindfulness type of meditation, which is instead of concentrating, you are observing. 
You are simply aware of anything that arises by itself on your field of awareness in this present moment, be it sensations, thoughts, emotions, memories, sounds, whatever it is. And you're just observing it all without judgment and without attachment. And the third type of meditation, I like to call it pure awareness practices, where your attention is not focused and your attention is not observing, but your attention is not distracted either. It's not busy. You're just here and now, open, undistracted and unfocused. That is a bit more advanced type. So that's usually requires some training meditation on the other two types first. But these are the, the general three types of meditation. And each of these, you will find different techniques from different spiritual traditions around the world that we can classify as one of these three types. I would really encourage anybody who is interested in learning more about this to go to your website and go to that meditation tab and read down through. I can't wait to just sit with it when it's focus time and really absorb the material. But you also have a course yes. that you walk people through over a five-week period. Tell us about that. Sure. So the course is called Master Your Mind. It's for people that are either complete beginners in meditation or they have meditated a little bit, but they are struggling to build a daily habit because the most crucial part of meditation is getting that daily habit going. You see, your mind is working every day. Your mind is coming up with negative thoughts or it's getting distracted. It's going to places you don't want it to go. So it's very important that your meditation happens every day as well. Otherwise, you always have some benefit from the meditation when you sit. But if you are looking real, really for transformation, then you need to make it a daily practice. So the focus of this course, I can say there are three focus. The first one is help you choose the ideal meditation technique for you. And that's different from other courses out there that get one technique and, and goes with it. You'll be introduced to five different types of techniques. So then you can choose the one that works best for you. The second is a strong emphasis on building the habit, on consistency. We start really small with two to three minutes and we increase little by little without you getting overwhelmed with information or things to do or frustration, right? And the third thing is that I like to teach people to meditate from the inside out. So rather than putting a guided meditation that you just follow along, right? I like to teach you how to be the driver. I like to teach you how to meditate on your own. So you're not dependent on guided meditations. Um, yeah, so if people are interested, the course is self-paced. You can join anytime and you can benefit from it. It goes through a span of five weeks. And um, you, you can go to meditationcourse.org. That will redirect you to that page. I'm happy also to answer any questions that you may have about it. Yeah, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, the, through my blog is the best way, livevendair.com. Right. I yeah I read every single email and I, I answer them as well. So I'm still at this point where I can answer every email. I <laughs> don't know how long I'll be able to, to do that for. Well, I was going to ask, what kind of interest do you see? I'm sure like this podcast, it's just it's humbling to look at the geographic map of where all these downloads come from. And I'm mm. sure you get readership from all over the world, although you're based in Australia. Mm. Uh, what kind of interest do you see from people uh, about meditation? 
There is a lot of interest lately. Um, most of my my website readers are actually from the U.S. Like forty percent of them are from the U.S. Uh, but yeah, every every single country on earth, <laughs> basically, there's I get about fifty thousand unique visitors a month. So a lot of people get started with meditation or get inspired to to meditate more and meditate more deeply uh, through my work. You said on your website that after you went through that period of your youth and how you've worked on this for, as you say, 7,000 hours mm -hmm. in total, that this has radically transformed your mind and your view of the world. And as a result, you now live a fearless, peaceful, and fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. What do you think was about the process that allowed you to be able to say that? Meditation was always central to my spiritual path, but it's not the only thing. Meditation without self-reflection, without studying the teachings, without trying to apply them in your day-to-day -day life, in your actions, it will only take you so far. So this transformation that happened, uh, it happened gradually, but there are also some milestones that I hit along the way. If I would try to explain why the transformation happened, I would say that the, bigger, the biggest transformation happened in 2010. At that time, I had already been seeking and practicing for about 10 or 11 years. And I realized deeply within myself, beyond all doubt, that I am pure consciousness, that I am not person, that I am more than a body-mind. I am, in essence, pure consciousness. And that is, a, that is a teaching that I have been exposed to for several years before that, and I was contemplating it, trying to understand, trying to practice it, meditating on it. But there was one day where the coin dropped. And from that day, several things just dropped in my life. Something happened in my mind that many negative feelings simply do not arise anymore. Nothing seems to leave a trace in my mind. I'm living in the present moment and nothing is kind of sticking to me. Nothing is imprisoning me. That's, that's one way of describing what happened at that time. This podcast is about the subconscious mind. We, we talk about that a lot because unlike you, I really wasn't exposed to this way of being and way of living until I was almost 50 years old. Mm -hmm. And when I looked back and reflected on four decades of life, I could see these patterns of things that took place in my life where I didn't have a direct touch on them happening. They just unfolded out of what was programmed into my subconscious. So I thought, wow, if I could change that programming, then I could shift my entire life. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that subconscious, that below the consciousness level that drives us. Mm. That is mostly what control our life. The impulses that comes for us to, to take this action or that action, or to ignore this fact or that fact, or to interpret things this way or that way, all of this comes from our subconscious. Uh, therefore, I think it's, it's essential for every human being to develop self-awareness, to understand what am I carrying in my unconscious mind, to be engaged in self-reflection, to understand how I work, how my mind works. And then with self-awareness comes power, because once you understand your patterns, you have the ability to change them. If you don't understand that, that you, you are always angry at this type of person because of this reason, or that you feel afraid 
in those circumstances because of that event that happened a few years ago. Like if you don't understand the reasons behind your feelings, your actions, your thoughts, it's very hard to transform yourself. It's very hard to, to be in control of your life. So it's absolutely essential. Do you see a direct correlation between meditation and changes in your subconscious programming? Absolutely. Meditation, I would say more than the changes itself, meditation gives you the awareness. So when you try to, when you try to meditate, especially as you start making your meditation sessions longer and you're already in the point where your mind gets a little bit quiet, you will see that a lot of thoughts, a lot of unprocessed emotions, unprocessed unconscious material that you were unaware of starts coming up to surface. So it gives you the opportunity to process, to, to allow these energies inside of you to kind of come to surface and evaporate. And it also shows you what's inside yourself. It's like a mirror. You can better see what's inside yourself. Mostly meditation gives you the awareness of what's in there. Later than what you're going to do with that, then that depends on your own effort, on your own self-talk, on how you decide to act uh, and see things differently. And meditation gives you the awareness, and then you have to make the choice of like, do I want to continue seeing things like this? Is there a better way of seeing things? Is this true? Is this pattern true? Is it helpful? Right, so all of this self-reflection uh, gets more empowered with meditation. But if you just do the meditation and you don't do the self-reflection, you don't take action to transform yourself, you're only going to go so far. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. Wanted to ask you about what you're seeing from your worldwide outreach, from your blog, and the kinds of comments and the interactions that you have with your audience. I've been interested in uh, a study that was released last year by the Pew Research Foundation about the spirituality, and this was particularly, obviously, in America. But what Pew was saying is that general interest in spirituality was declining, particularly among the millennials, which, of course, you are uh, a part of. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've, I've been interested in that of why people are less interested, particularly young people are less interested in spirituality. So I wanted to ask you, A, again, from your perspective, not only in Australia, which I know is a, a I have a, a number of incredibly spiritual, in-tune listeners from Australia. I love the folks who listen to this podcast from Australia, get a lot of emails from from down under. And I really appreciate that. And it really makes me want to travel down there sometime. But do you see that, would you agree in general that interest in spirituality could be on the decline? You know, when I go to a meditation center or to a spiritual group to hang out with uh, like-minded people, I do notice that most of them are on their 40s, 50s, and 60s. There are not many young people. There are many reasons why that's the case. I, I don't know if uh, it's increasing or decreasing, but it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be much interest among young people. Why do I think that is so? I think one reason is because people don't, don't see the difference between religion and spirituality, for instance. And we live in very open times, very rational times. So a lot of the, the religious practices and doctrines simply don't make sense anymore for most people. So maybe they, they think that that's all there is to the world of spirituality, right? So I think if we promote more spirituality 
regardless of religion, more and more people could benefit from what spirituality can give, uh, can bring to your life. So that could be one of the reasons. I think the other one, it's so easy to get instant satisfaction, instant gratification through technology. We always have something entertaining to read, watch, or do. So most people are just kind of um, addicted to this continuous instant gratification life. And usually when everything is good in your life, you're not going to look for spirituality. You're going to look for spirituality when you feel that either, either you're suffering, so it means something is wrong and you're trying to fix it, or you have this feeling that even though everything is right in your life, there's something missing. You want something more. Then you're going to go into spirituality. If everything is just kind of rosy or if you're just addicted to a world of pleasures, there's not going to be space at that time in your life for, for a hunger for spirituality to come up. That's interesting. I love your observations on that. What is your generation seeking, do you think? Are, are they so absorbed in the technology? You know, there's such a lack of consciousness when you see people buried in their phones. Do mm -hmm. you think that's – I mean, you know, you think about you wake up with it, you go to bed with it. You're on it all day long in between if you don't police yourself to not be. And you're right. It is so absorbing that it can totally pull your attention away from yourself and put it on that external device and what that external device is connecting you with, mm -hmm. which is the lives of other people, so quickly. Is that the main distraction? I think technology, just like money, they amplify whatever is inside of us. Uh, so technology allows you to live completely in your mind, if you want to, without interacting much with the external world. It gives you an excuse and it gives you a mean to, means to do that uh, in a way that it's pleasant. At the same time, I think more than ever, we have a mental health crisis in our world. Depression, anxiety, fear, these emotions in a chronic way are becoming each time more common, even amongst teens and early adults, sometimes even kids. So for me, this is pointing out that the way we, we see life, the way we are living life is not right. There's something that is deeply wrong about just, just seeking pleasures and just seeking um, material goods and just kind of following along life in an unconscious way. There's, there's so many um, mental diseases, so to speak, mental problems that come off living uh, in this unconscious way. And I think that spirituality, especially through meditation, meditation being a door. For many people, meditation is the door to spirituality. Meditation and spirituality gives you a solution, or at least gives you an invitation to think a bit more deeply about your life, about who you are, about what you want to achieve, about what it is to live a, a deeply meaningful life. And I think people nowadays should be contemplating these topics more. You led right into the next question I was going to ask you. So for Giovanni, what are your personal goals? And I guess let me set this up this way. You're in your 30s. Mm -hmm. I am way, way, way too rapidly approaching 60. <laughs> so where do you want to be when you're my age? I want to be enlightened, if I can. <laughs> but uh, being a little bit more pragmatic... I would say that my goals 
in life is to dedicate myself as much as possible to spiritual practice and to spiritual service to other people. And spiritual practice is mainly my meditation, my study, time I spend with other teachers, yogis, masters. That's my spiritual practice. And spiritual service is what I do through my blog mostly at this point. But uh, it may involve other things in the future. Mm, that's awesome. I really, really do appreciate it, Giovanni. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be happy to come, come over again. Liveanddare.com is the website. So check out the Master Your Mind meditation course. There's a part one, part two, and then a little bit of a discount if you buy them both together. This is so needed in these uncertain times. And from personal testimony, I can tell you, the times that I've spent meditating and hiking here in these mountains makes a world of difference, and generally, instantly. So check out liveanddare.com and go to the courses section. Giovanni wants to get this in the hands of a million people, so let's help him with that. That many people meditating will make a big difference in the world's consciousness. So I would strongly encourage you, up your meditation game. Here's a great resource, How. Thank you so much, Giovanni, and thank you for listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery. I'm Thomas Miller. Enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.